Today's show is sponsored by Supreme Whiskey Stones, an LEO business specializing in the best whiskey accessories to protect and serve your favorite pours. From whiskey stones to customer laser etched glassware, they take pride in what they do and love making their customers happy. Check them out on Instagram at Supreme Whiskey Stones, at SupremeWhiskeyStones.com, or through the various military and first responder organizations they sponsor. Cheers. Yeah, it's not he, the real Kurt. No, he was a private in the army, but he. Oh, was, oh, he. <laughs> no, but I'm saying it's not like the, if the Kentucky Colonels are real. Yes. What are the Tennessee Colonels? It's like a wannabe Colonel. You know, it's back in the old days. It was a honor bestowed on you, literally by your neighbors. Oh, I'm just giving you help for being from Tennessee. That's it. That's all. Oh I'm man, doing. went right over my head. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> everyone. My name is John Edwards. I do not have Zeke Baker with me here, but I have someone even better, Lee Kennedy from Leaper's Fork. And together, because he is a dad drinking bourbon, we make the dad drinking bourbon. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, thank you for making us a part of your day. And I do have to tell you, I am sitting in Leaper's Fork, Tennessee. There's 27 acres. It is picture perfect. Every single house I drive by on my drive here, whenever I come out here, I wish I could live in. This is a beautiful, beautiful property, a beautiful 2,500 square foot log cabin that I'm actually in right now, along with the 5,000 square foot distillery part. This has to be one of the most gorgeous distilleries I have ever been to. It's one of my favorite ones to come to. A nice wood everywhere. It looks farmy and it looks down home country and it's like country chic but i am sitting with owner proprietor distiller lee kennedy thank you very much for joining me absolutely john thank you for having me on and i'm very humbled by your words i mean because that's those were some big statements you were making there but i, I truly appreciate that no i mean it's 100 <clears> percent <throat> the truth i think we were talking about horse racing before we got on yeah and just the different tracks that that yeah. we've been to and how keeneland's so beautiful and april who who works here who's yeah. a woman of many talents and does yeah. a bunch of things but also happens to be a great kentuckian yeah. we were talking about horse racing with her and how beautiful keeneland is i think kentucky and woodford reserve yeah. woodford is one of my favorite distilleries to go to just the Mine beauty well. of it yes you're gonna have like the pimlicos that are really the factory distilleries. Mm-hmm. The Preakness might run there. It looks great <laughs> one day of the year. But you know, this is one of those distilleries. It's just a showcase distillery. It's gorgeous. Well, thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we tried to, you know, we, we want to reflect Tennessee and we tried to do that in our in our architecture. And, you know, we try to everything we do here is very traditional from the way we design architecturally our buildings to the way we design and produce our whiskey. We don't, you know, we're we're trying to stay true to to the roots of of Tennessee and to distilling as well. So you actually, I mean, it's so beautiful in your distillery that you hold events out there constantly. Our, our friend Andy yeah. from Eat Y'all, yeah, he comes absolutely. out and does some supper yeah. things with you all, and uh, you do a great benefit out here every year. Yes, I missed last year's, but. I can't wait to, to have that come back again. We'd love to have you for that. Absolutely. That, that's the bourbon bash. Uh, we do that in the fall every year. 
Usually it's the last weekend of October. This year it's closer to Veterans Day, so 1st of November. But great event that all the proceeds benefit the Green Beret Foundation. A lot of vets here. We have seven distilleries from Kentucky that come down, as well as seven distilleries from, from Tennessee that are here represented. Set up tasting stations. One of the big boys a couple of years ago debuted an expression here. And then we have live music, auctions, and things like that. So it's a great event. There's always something going on down here. Yeah, there, there is. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And this distillery, it's actually a labor of love, right? Mm-hmm. Because you like distilling at a young age yeah. and, and you had an interest in it, at least from everything I know about you. Yeah. But this was one of those things where you couldn't distill here in Williamson County. And this yeah. was something that we've talked about on other shows. Legislature <laughs> passed the, the, you know, it actually went county by county. So before then, you really only had more with Jack Daniels, coffee mm-hmm. with Dickel, and you had Lincoln, Lincoln. with Pritchard's. Yeah. Yeah. They had to go county by county and say, all right, this county's okay yes. to distill now. Very this true. one's okay to distill. Yeah, that's very true. And, that, and that's, at an early age, I was captivated by distillation. I don't know why. When I was 15, going on 16, built a little still out of a five-gallon pressure cooker and some copper condensing line from uh, Home Depot, five-gallon bucket, and a copy of the Foxfire book. Had some old archaic knowledge in there and, and some old mash bills and procedures and knew just enough to be dangerous. Didn't know anything of what I was doing, but for, for some reason, I was fascinated by that, uh, probably too originally from a cultural heritage standpoint. I'm a Scotch-Irish guy in the South, Tennessee, Kentucky, anywhere in the Southern Appalachians, you know, distilling was part of the fabric of communities. And so that just captivated me at a, at a really early age. And I kind of carried that on after college. It's amazing, right? Because everything I've read about you, it's that moonshining is a lost art chapter yes, of the Foxfire exactly right. book. And it's amazing how one chapter could change, change your life. life right? hey, that sounds, yeah, you know, I've never thought about that, but it's had a family friend who, who actually gave me that book. And, uh, and it really did. I wouldn't be sitting here today, arguably, if it wasn't for that chapter in that book. But, um, yeah, and I, and I loved a lot of the history behind it as well as, you know, taking grains and converting them into flammable consumables. I love the history behind it as well. It's okay. I know you're worried about the sound, but that just proves everybody who's listed is going to know your story is a hot place, right? Like that's, it's good. It adds to it. Yeah, we're having a good Tuesday. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, if this many people are coming in and out of here on a Tuesday, and I'll tell you guys, for those of you that have gone on the tour, I went on a tour with your father-in-law, John, mm-hmm, yeah. because you and, and your wonderful wife, Lindley, you guys run this place together. Yeah. John, your father-in-law, is here on Sundays That's giving right. tours yeah. if you ever yeah. want to come down and see him. Absolutely. It's a beautiful tour. You have a very nice tasting room. Thank you. So if I were to describe this log cabin, you know, you've got the business offices up top. Yeah. On the bottom half, you have this kind of atrium area, and then... You have the uh, retail side on one side of the log cabin. Yes. On the other side of the log cabin, you have a nice tasting room with yes. a great bar. And anybody who is going to a distillery wants to know that you can actually sit down. There are places to sit yes. after the tour, relax, go through everything you have. But yeah. I don't. I, I digress. I don't want to get. To, no, that's okay. But you know, you were distilling as a, as a teen, and then all of a sudden, two thousand nine, you guys could distill here. Yes. But it was a long process to when you guys actually 
got going and open to the public in July of 2016. Right? Sure, absolutely. That was an arduous process getting through our local approval. You know, if you're creating a distillery, the first thing you need to do before you talk to the feds or the state is have local approval. And so that actually took us three years and about four public hearings. Uh, we actually had to uh, to create a new law for the county. I mean. Tennessee has that. We were just talking about the long, rich history with distillation. Uh, in 1850, there were 10 distilleries in Williamson County. And people forget, you know, a lot of that history. Uh, one was just, you know, three miles up the road. So, yes, there was actually a law against it. So we had to go in and, and kind of create a new law to allow us to operate. And that was three years of, of a lesson in patience. But at the other end, once we got through, ran that gauntlet, so to speak, and got on the other end, we have a really good relationship with our county. And, um, and also with our local Convention and Visitors Bureau. So uh, it was a long process, but it was one that you don't mind red tape once you're through it. <laughs> it's one of those things where you look back, especially being in the, the liquor business, you know, you could actually sip on something, have a smile on your face yes. and say, I got through it. Absolutely. And then, you know, once you get on that other side of it, then there's a whole nother, you know, list of issues you deal with as a distiller and a, and a new distillery as well. Oh, and now you're actually dealing with how do I run a business and yes. keep it. You you don't want to be in the red. Then you know you exactly. want to put everything right. red yes. Yes. behind you yeah. at that point. And you know we're we're all family owned here, so it's uh, when you the tourists we were talking about downstairs, they're helping pay the bills while we've got whiskey aging on wood. You know, so it softens the blow. And so we're uh, we tell folks right now we're we're kind of a tourist venue that gives tours and happens to serve make a little whiskey eventually once we get all of our whiskey age we want to be a regional brand distillery that happens to give tours and tasting so the the focus will will kind of change as that whiskey comes online and if we talk about the products that you have out right now you have the colonel hunters and maybe a little bit of marketing but yeah. in your case it's true colonel uh, henry hunter is actually buried on this property <laughs> as, as, as the lord tells us or at least your father-in-law told me well i have to talk to john about that he's buried about 700 yards from the distillery as the crow flies so, oh it's close enough yeah, right? it's close enough it's yeah. right by the creek he he was a, he was a he actually this property i bought this property back in the late 90s from his fifth great granddaughter so my mom's side of the family the lock side they've been in hillsborough leapersport whatever you want to call it since about 1805 so I, I love the history behind this area but i actually bought this property from colonel hunter's fifth great granddaughter he came here from north carolina like a lot of scotch irishmen did uh, went down to new orleans fought the british with uh with general jackson came back here and became a local planner and distiller here in uh in leapersport so his son, John, actually built the house next to us uh, where the distillery sits. So, you know, his we feel like his spirit's here, and he kind of represents what it means to be a true volunteer in, in a Tennessee. And so him being a distiller, when we were uh, bringing that, that brand to existence, we did that kind of as a tip of the hat to him and those early Williamson County distillers. So Colonel Hunter, he was a private in the Army. He wasn't an actual <laughs> colonel. He was an honorary colonel. Yes, later in life, yeah. But yeah. did he do? Did he distill whiskey? He had a piece of property on Old Highway 96 called the Distillery Tract. He made whiskey there probably back in the 1830s, 1840s time period. But, of course, back then, every 
most farms had a still on it. There were distilleries changed over time as they become as the industrial revolution came along. So it was it was a small operation. Yes. But just like you, you're you're sitting here, you have all your fingers, you have all your toes, you yeah. didn't blow yourself up with that little five gallon still. Right? No, the the very first distillate that came off of it, uh, we, we kinda had a um the draw sticks to see who was gonna try the first one, but that was just a beginning of a passion kind of being cultivated and a seed being sown, you know, really learned just, uh, I was just fascinated at that point, you know, trying to do something, not really knowing there was no internet. So and there was not a lot of literature on it. And, you know, until recently, the only way to really learn how to distill was to do it. You know, unless you had a resource that worked at a distillery or a moonshine uncle or something like that, you know, there's really no other way to learn it back in 20 years ago than to just do try it. So before you then came here, did you go meet with people and go to Oh, absolutely. You know, and- once I graduated, I moved to uh, back to Williamson County after, after going to Auburn, me and Carter up at uh, Pennington's share that. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, so moved back here and, and, and bought a little barn still, a, a bigger <laughs> barn still, I guess. And it was, was a major passion and hobby of mine. So once uh, once you once I got into it commercially, we actually leaned on we leaned on Kentucky for a lot of resources. You know, went up and ran, uh, worked at distilleries up there. We spent uh, a week out of a month up with a Wilderness Trail Distillery up in Danville, Kentucky. They're doing awesome. Oh yeah, man. Stuff they, you know, and they're they're the whiskey wizards. You know, they they know so much about the science. So a lot of our they tell folks, you know, this, this is hillbilly chemistry. So. The same principles of distillation that are going on in a one-gallon pot sitting on your stove is also going on in a thousand-gallon pot sitting in a commercial distillery. It's just uh, it's it's a learning curve on the equipment and how to do things at a professional level with consistency and things like that. So you really need those guys getting going for some direction. And luckily, we found them and have formed a really nice partnership. And uh, they have a big release guys. coming out in April. Yeah, too, they do. By the yeah, way, so absolutely. Everybody, stay tuned for that. Yeah, yeah. So we, we lean on them for a lot. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. So you have the Colonel Hunters, <clears throat> which while your stuff is is resting, sure, that is a sourced product. Yes. We we don't necessarily need to say where. <laughs> and then you have your own stuff. I mean, you've really only been open. Yeah, this is the third. Actually, year. Actually, you're sitting here, so. It'll be three years uh, in April when we started uh, distilling. So we put back our first barrel, I want to say about the middle of April. I should know it off the top of my head. Made a little rye first. Um, So right now we're making about close to 550 barrels a year. Everything's going into 53 gallon. I'm hell bent on that. 99% of our capacity is going back on wood and we're sitting on it. You know, we've got right now under our belt, we've got about 853 gallon barrels. Most of that is Tennessee whiskey and bourbon. Um, so yeah, we're, we're committed to, you know, we have the Colonel Hunters. We, we do limitedly, you know, we only do about 6,000 bottles of that a year, but even, that's crazy know, too, yeah. especially yeah. how it's how, a 10 year old, especially because of all the places that you see it in Nashville. Yes. It just feels, and it's one of those local brands that probably feels yeah. like it's bigger. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. when you go to the store and you're like, Oh, there's Leaper's Fork, you know, and it's <laughs> one of those things that you think more people. Yes, absolutely. But right now you're pretty much tennessee right yeah we're i'm not tennessee we're middle tennessee i mean we kind of really have to um you know it, it's in our best interest to sell 90 percent of that whiskey is sold out of our retail store where our margins are better and you know that's because our state law lets us do that but anyway so yeah we're the colonel hunters has been really good for us to 
to fund a lot of the operations of putting our own whiskey back. And that's a lot of, that's a business model. A lot of people follow, you know, and we have the white whiskeys as well. As your stuff is actually aging, you actually put distillate out. It's the white whiskeys, but are, are those aged at all? Or do you just take a break from the still? We pass them, them through the barrel per, fe- per federal law. We have to do that. But I mean, we use those more as a, as a historical kind of talking point And from an education standpoint, you know, because bourbons and Tennessee whiskeys are so barrel forward, you know, 65% of the profiles coming out of that barrel. Uh, a lot of times the what's going on with the um, delicacy of the grains gets lost or masked by the barrel. So as a distiller, we have two white whiskeys. One is um, is a rye-based, and, the, and then the other one is a corn-based Tennessee whiskey. Same percentages, just change the grain bills around. So consumers can come in. We walk them through a tasting of white whiskey, and they can actually taste the difference. Well, that rye is, is spicy on the front, and the finish is a little cleaner. When they go to that corn base, you've got really soft palate with a more lingering finish. You can you can really see what, what's going on, what the grain does to those, those different distillates. It's really interesting to see. One of my favorite parts of your tour, and I think you guys do this really, really well, opposed to and, – and it's not a comparison, right? Right? But sure. you guys have really planned it out well and you tell a story mm-hmm. during your tasting. Yes. Where some people are like, hey, you know, this is one offering we have. This is another offering we have. Sure. It's almost like a setup. Yes. Because there were some newbies there. There yeah. were some there were some spouses. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter, husband or wife, because yeah. either one of them could have been the, the primary whiskey drinker in 2019. But sure. it's... I, I took the tour. I actually took my daughter here. This was her first distillery oh, nice. tour. My wife was gone, uh, obviously, <laughs> of course. for the weekend. And I sent pictures. I'm like, hey, Sophia and I are down at Leaper's Fork. Just hang it out. <laughs> but the, the tasting was, you know, as you set it up, yeah. you go from white to yes. the, the brown whiskey. And it's like a progression. It is a progression. And yeah. and as people were having the white dog, uh-huh. they were kind of like, eh, <laughs> I don't really like this. Or, oh, this isn't like, this isn't what I like. Yes. Right. And I'm just sitting there and you and I were having a conversation, you know, before we started recording yeah. that whenever we go on a tour, I never like to talk because I never like yes. to be that guy. Right. So I'm just sitting there kind of laughing in my head. Yeah, sure. And the person sitting next to me, I'm like, don't worry, they have a plan. Like I could tell just by looking at the <laughs> they were worried because you build up to the Colonel Hunters. Yes, yes, yeah. And then when yeah. people finally got to the Colonel Hunters, yeah, they were like, "Oh, I really like this." Yes, yeah. Like, well, I mean, you know, that's part of consumer education. You know, you, you're actually showing them what that barrel does to that distillate over time. You know. Well, that's great marketing there too, because they're going and buying the Colonel Hunters when it's done. But man, it's amazing how many how many ladies like our white rye, and it and it works very well in a cocktail we do we do some nice cocktails here but yes you're very you're right about that well and then i also pointed out to the person sitting next to me not loud enough where i was like a know-it-all but i'm like sure hey eventually those two that you had in the beginning right. are going to be like Absolutely. the other one yeah. i was like just give it some time come back <laughs> come right, right right so they so speaking of that they've been sitting there for three years now some yeah. What is the plan then for what your whiskeys are going to be in the sure. future? Of those 500 barrels a year, um, about 20 to 30 of those per year are rye. You know, and the rest and the difference of that is is, is equally between Tennessee whiskey and bourbon. You know, when I got into this, um, I wasn't going to do 
uh, Tennessee whiskey. I was only going to do a Tennessee bourbon. And some of our friends in Kentucky said, you'd be doing yourself a disservice not doing a Tennessee whiskey. You need to do that because you can make bourbon in all 50 states. A lot of people don't believe that, but obviously it's true. Um, but you can only make Tennessee whiskey in one. So that's we would be doing ourselves a disservice. And I love the traditions behind both of them. What our friends in Kentucky wanted us to do was take our uh, bourbon grain bill and literally just run it through the, the sugar and maple charcoal and, and do that was the only difference maker between the two. And we didn't do that. We changed the grain bill on our bourbon from our Tennessee whiskey for various reasons. But my uh, that we, we, we played with that, toyed with that at the beginning. Well, we could always just do a barrel for fun and we see could. what happens. Hey, I'm, I'm down with that. Absolutely. Just, all you got to yeah. do is run it. Experimentation. I mean, put a little bit of charcoal there. You could just have it touch some charcoal and then all of a sudden, <laughs> hey, it was filtered. Yeah. <laughs> well, we tr- actually, we try it. Well, our Tennessee whiskey, our Lincoln County process, we try to do it justice. We make our own sugar maple charcoal. We get our local uh, sugar maple from right around the corner, about four miles, Fox's Mill. So we burn our own charcoal here. We run it. It's not 13 feet, but it's uh, it's about five feet. And it's, no, but I've seen it. I mean, you guys yeah, build I mean, it up exactly. just like you should, yeah, right? Yeah, right. And, I mean, and we and we do it justice. We we drip it through there instead of just running it fast. Like if we're going to do a Tennessee whiskey, we at least want to do justice. We feel like to that Lincoln County process. No, that's fair. So when all is said and done, you all are going to have a rye, a yes. bourbon, and a Tennessee whiskey. Yes, yeah, yeah. And in equal amounts, Tennessee whiskey and bourbon. This past year, we put back close to 400 barrels. First year, uh, we only put back about 85. We'll, we'll release 30 barrels worth of rye uh, late fourth quarter this year. That whiskey will almost be four years old. We feel comfortable a- enough to release it. We can stand behind it, that rye uh, late fourth quarter. Then next year, fourth quarter, uh, we'll come out with our Tennessee whiskey about 50 to, to 70 barrels. And then we start uh, getting into some some bigger production after that. So so is your goal, because then you'd have some, rye would start to come out at three years. Yes. You would have bourbon. At four, uh, at, five. I'm, at I'm five. committed to five on bourbon and, and four on Tennessee whiskey. whiskey. And, and also with the mellowing, the mellowing could kind of take off some of that stuff of anybody that. Yeah, know. absolutely. And. and I think a lot of guys in the industry would say there's something, not something, but a lot happens in the barrel between year three and four, especially on a corn-based distillate. A lot of that green wood starts to go away. To me, it's easier to tell the difference between a three-year-old and a four-year-old versus a four-year-old and, say, a seven-year-old. Yeah. So really trying to hit that that four-year-old mark on our Tennessee whiskey with that corn-based distillate. Well, and anybody that asks, right, there's a reason why bottle and bond was four years. Absolutely. It just kind of makes sense. No doubt. We talk about that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you guys, the way you're sitting here, if you think it, it's a barn, yeah, it's a very, very nice it's a glorified barn. barn. Yeah, it's yeah. a very gorgeous barn out there. Yeah. Um, are you aging everything out there, <clears throat> or are you have are you putting your stuff someplace else? So we have we have an agreement with another large distillery south of us. So we have about 750 barrels uh, that that sit off premises. And then, so our plan is to, to start our barrel house construction. We're actually, we're, we're in the design phase right now, getting some funding together. So we'll start our barrel house, uh, Rick house, probably uh, early to mid-summer. So we're in, in that first Rick house will hold about 5,000 barrels. So right now we have most of our babies off site. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, is that tough? You know, it's, it's uh, like an empty nester. You're an empty nester right now. <laughs> I mean, we keep uh, all those first barrels we did, we keep those on site. So we have probably about 100 barrels on site. 
the rest of them, you know, we're, we feel comfortable having them all site. And really it's a necessity. I think a lot of guys in the industry, uh, new guys right now uh, in the guild and things like that, or you know, a lot of us are running into the same problem. There's a storage issue. And, um, you know, it's just it's kind of just figuring it out. Everybody figures it out differently. Before you got into the distillery, you did real estate and construction, didn't you? Uh, actually, that was my brother. Well, my first job was a, was an estimator in commercial construction. So I get construction. and then Somebody I, has an article <laughs> that's linked to your website that's telling now, My lies. brother, is a, he's a contractor that built this entire place besides his cabin. So you have a deal then. You, you have to go through him, but he'll probably give you the friends and family discount? Absolutely. And he's a part owner in the distillery. So he, he he has an incentive to cut me a break. Can we just do something maybe like the three of us where we just build rick houses someplace on you know, hey, by man. cheap land? There's been th- this conversation we're having right now. There's been other people having this recently around the state. You know, uh, I mean, that, that's, uh, that's definitely uh, something that a lot of guys in the industry would welcome probably. Yeah. We, we could probably get it done, you know, like I could do the... There's nothing money won't solve and a little bit of uh, overcoming regulations. Well, I don't have any money. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, all my money's in barrels right now. So but I'll I'm entertain out. you, you know. It, that That's something where I was going to ask if you think the aging would affect it being here because it's nice and wide and open. With sure. The, I mean, you all have 27 acres here. Wind's yeah. going to hit it at right. all certain sides. So are you going to put that rickhouse here? Yes, it'll sit behind the distillery, and it'll have uh, an east-to-west orientation to it, you know, trying to maximize sun exposure. The issues you were talking about, like us worrying about uh, airflow and position in the rickhouse, those are problems I wish I had to solve. Like right now, it's, it's, a, it's, it's hey, we've got these barrels. We're not slowing down production. Actually, we're at about 75% of uh production capacity right now just because of that storage issue so right now it's hey where can we put barrels and put some age on it legally yeah right and once you get to that because your stills right now each still does a barrel a day right or we're right now our yields uh we're making about two two and a half to three barrels a day right now would you up that if you actually had a place to i mean i know you're at 75 percent but would you even go more yeah what we would do is um so right now we do that on a four-day schedule so there's three days of the week we're not even running the steel really so um that's you know, that will add that capacity when our storage issue kind of writes uh, itself. That's crazy to me because we, we've talked to people in the past about craft distilling and the issues that people have. It's either, you know, some people are going to other companies, if you think about MGP or Castle and Key, and actually kind of doing the mash bill through them, having them contract distill it, age sure. it there, and they're kind of the NDP putting the the final product sure, out. Sure. But it's like here you guys are, it's already tougher because grain costs more for you guys. Oh, absolutely. We're have, cash hog. Yeah. You know, all that yeah. stuff's going on. And now you're like, well shoot, I got no place to put it. <laughs> you know, it's like I could distill all day. <laughs> yeah. No and doubt. I love distilling. Right, right. Um, but I can't actually and and you think about where you guys are even now sure and how much of a presence you have in middle tennessee right that almost has to be a little bit frustrating because you're like i could see where my company could go and just like everything whiskey is such a slow play yeah no doubt i mean you think as a distiller you think in terms of decades i mean and and that's just the industry that we're in but 
you know, we kind of factored that in when we were when we were coming up with our business plan. We knew that was going to be an issue, and we worked on cultivating some of those relationships on barrel storage on the front end. So it's just as a as a new distillery, and, and like I said, we're being family funded. You know, we're um, a lot of those issues as we grow and as we release whiskey, we'll be able to to solve a lot of those problems as uh, cash flow gets better and revenue. So, you know, our, um, we definitely factor, uh, factored that in as we were building our business plan. Your brother's gonna get his ass in gear. That's all Man, I'm saying. There's no, building some houses. there's nothing that's out there right now, you know, like at least get the foundation down, you know, and that's, and that's another thing. There's, uh, <clears throat> there's not a lot of companies in the country that build barrel rick houses. Oh, I know. I was <laughs> talking to somebody about there's two. Yeah, there's two. And actually, traditionally, there's been one, yeah. you know, uh, out of Barstown. So, you know, we're working with another company uh, out of Louisville who's a new player in the industry, but very uh, aggressive and, and kind of uh, fits our price point. And so, uh, you know, we're we're working with them right now to come up with some design and, and things like that. We When we build our Rick House, we're a little different here. You know, we want to incorporate some things attached to the Rick House that are non-traditional, like an extra tasting room and and, and some things like that, some store, other storage issues. So a stage. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> you know, maybe, I don't know. Coming, we, we coming to you crazy. live from the Rick house stage. <laughs> well, yeah, the that's something we would do, but yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it is one of the things that I, I didn't mention. I should have started off in the beginning, but I mean, you do have the best hair in the whiskey game. And <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Lee, Lee has rock star hair. It's like, you know, that Willie Nelson braid. I used to not look all crazy like this when I kind of did this once I got, you know, you couldn't do this in, in the financial services industry. You know, sit down across somebody, they look at you like you're crazy. Well, no, I have this beard right yes. now. It's because it's I'm not client facing at the moment. And once I have a meeting, I, I've had about a good two, three months where I haven't had to uh, go out and, and do any business travel. My wife is just waiting for the day where I have to go. To well, you have a black beard pirate style, style of beer, so it's it's very impressive. You're talking about my hair. so No, no I mean, please do. <laughs> I think it's impressive, man. Zeke, Zeke, well, Zeke's mustache is just scary, right? but he, he talks about a time where he used to be able to see my chin, and I said, I'm fat. You don't want to see my chin. That's why I have yeah. the beard. The beard yeah. is there yeah, to hide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it looks good. Yeah. Well, thank you. So is your hair. Thanks. But the, uh, so that is awesome. I mean, as far as what you guys are doing, there's a lot of great stuff down on the horizon. How long do you think it'll be until that actually happens? You know, so this year when we, we put – almost 400 barrels back this year. So once those barrels become mature and, and we get those to market, uh, that's when we really anticipate a change um, with the distillery. So, you know, that's, I'd say four years from now, but it gets better every year. As we start releasing our own juice, things get better. You know, we're, we built our business plan on releasing so many cases per year. And so until we get there, you know, we're not implementing our full business plan, but every year as we release uh, more of our own spirit, things get drastically better. So, and we're doing great right now. We're ahead of everything we forecasted. Oh, and to, you can yeah. tell, I mean, yeah. just by sitting here, when you come in there, you're yeah. like, oh, these yeah. guys are doing okay. You know, so, you know, it's, we've been very fortunate to, with our tourism and, um, and a lot of things like that to, to help us offset some of the pain. So yeah. it's been, yeah, yeah. 
It, it's just nowadays, right, with cell phones and immediate gratification, and it's, you're like, you're like, I just want it to happen now, right? Like, <laughs> well, and that's one thing that you have to talking about thinking in terms of decades. Like, as a distiller, it's, it's that is the that's the frustration, but it's also it's uh it's the hallmark of doing something right. You know, anything you're gonna put, uh, you know, pour your heart and soul into, and putting a 53 gallon barrel, you know. I think part of what makes uh, the mystique of whiskey is just the the process that it undergoes to get into that bottle. I mean, it's 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 it takes time to do that, and so you can't rush time. At the end of the day, you don't want to rush time because time and oxygen and all you know all the rest of stuff we all know works on that whiskey to to make it what it is. No, and that's a great, great, great point. Sure. Speaking of which. We keep talking about whiskey. You sure. have two bottles on the table. Yeah, no doubt. You might as well tell me what's in these because I, I don't necessarily know what's in these right now. One I know is a rye. Sure. The so, other one I have no idea what the hell it is. Yeah, and it's it was kind of it's it's a little different. I'll explain it to you. So the rye, this is the one we're talking about. It's just about to turn three years old. Uh, I haven't tried it in a while, so so we're kind of getting a, a glimpse of uh, of what it's looking like at three years old. So um, the mash bill on on this rye, it's fifty five percent rye, thirty uh, percent corn, and fifteen percent uh, barley malt. And like I was saying, we we put an emphasis on our on our barley malt. Uh, we use fifteen percent on everything going to barrel. It's actually a toasted style malt, so it has a lot of character, even uh, in its um, in its white dog form. I feel like you can pick up some of that in in this three year old rye. You know, it's still young, but I'm I'm really happy where it's at, and I'm happy in the direction it's going. Rye is one of those things that you don't necessarily need to have an eight, nine, ten year yes rye, and Absolutely. there are some great eight, nine, ten year ryes. Yeah. But- it's almost like that grain matures a little bit faster. It does. You know, we're, we kind of see that it gets faster extraction out of the barrel, also picks up quicker oxidation. And, you know, we kind of look at it as um, we're not going to live or die by a rye. I'm not going to release it unless I can stand behind it. By the time this gets to fourth quarter, I, I, I feel confident that we'll be happy to release it here locally. Well, and the crazy thing too is in Tennessee, Kentucky, we talk about all the similarities. It's one of the only places in the country where you could have a 60, 70 degree day in January, but you could also have 110 days Sure. In uh, in the summer, that dropped down to rogue 50, 60 degree days. And yes, which is nothing but beneficial for, for what we're doing. Now, the funny thing about this is I almost had a little bit of maple on it out yeah, of the bottle. Absolutely. But then when I put it in the Glencairn, let it it's breathe. not there. It's not there. You know, it, I think it's there. It's just uh, it's not as, as um, intense as it is, as it was coming up when we first uncorked that. I get a lot of cinnamon. Um, almost kind of like a red hot. No, and I'm I'm nosing it for a good minute um, because it's like a, a, a cinnamon malt. I definitely get the malt on the nose. Yes, absolutely. And it's um, yeah, you, know, you can almost. It's one of those things where you kind of question like, is this youth? But then once you know the mash bill and you know it's malt, it's sure, because no, it's not <clears throat> off putting. It's like that yeah green citrusy yes. um, mm-hmm. but it's really the malt. It's yeah, once there's you a, hone in on it. Yeah, you, you really pick up on that. And we kind of consider this Southern-style rye. You know, <laughs> Traditionally, uh, you didn't find a lot of rye whiskey in the South. It was Pennsylvania, Maryland, Northern Virginia, areas like that. Uh, so we use 55% of it. You know, just um, uh, we feel like it's a, it's a softer rye. But, um, yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and the malt, I know a lot of people 
you know, we had just interviewed Greg Metz a couple yeah. weeks ago mm-hmm. and, and Old Elk, and they put in more malt to give a smoother profile. Mm-hmm. Is that one of those things that not only for just as you were talking about what you use it for, but it's also a good mellowing agent to make it a little bit like the first sip I have of this. It's like you get the spiciness of the rye, mm-hmm. but you get a smoothness that's going down as well. And it's very well balanced in the sense that you have the spiciness but sure i think you told me this one was 108 proof yeah it, uh entry proof in the barrel is 110 so last time we proofed this uh, it was about 108 coming out right now yeah, but at three years old it's nice because it's war- heat like it's warmth in the chest but it's not overbearing no i definitely get that mm. cinnamon there's nothing young tasting about it at all well i appreciate that you know and that's why i really happy about where it's at and I do see what you mean about that complexity I mean I think malt adds that you know it kind of it gives an, uh, another dimension to it and that's one reason you know we for me grain bills were just a matter of preference you know you you there wasn't that much I mean it sounds bad but there wasn't that much thought process going into it. it's like hey what as a distiller and a consumer what do I like so you're going to distill what you like and so that's that was kind of that really drove um, a lot of our our grain bills was hey in that in that category uh, what do we like and so that's kind of what we did and I hate using the term cinnamon red hot just because I don't want people to think it's fireball no yeah right right right, um, right. and that would almost be giving it a disservice because it's nothing like fireball sure but it's got that it's really nice and spicy it yes. does have. A cinnamon red hot it does quality yeah. to yeah. it with a sweetness but it's not there. artificial no 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 and that's i think the yes. difference is right like one is going to taste more artificial yes this one is almost like if you were to take a cinnamon stick sure don't think about like right fake processed <laughs> shit yeah if you yeah. were to take a cinnamon stick and dip that in a um you know in a whiskey and, and you're making a cocktail sure it's like the good parts of it right and it's um it's not a negative connotation it's yeah. it's uh it's this it's a heat and a sweetness on the back end yeah yeah I, I see that completely but i i do the biggest note i do get from it is cinnamon it's damn good though it's cinnamon. I get a little bit of that malt in there in, yeah. the, in the barley yeah. Yeah. in the middle. Mm-hmm. And then the finish, it just, it's not, I'm not getting any citrus, no youth. It's it's yeah. just that nice, smooth burn at the very end. Well, not a burn, but no, a smooth actually, warmth. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a, it's a clean finish to me. So I'm, I'm very happy where it's at for sure. Oh, it it is. If this is how it is, I can't wait to see what it's going to be like <laughs> through another summer. Well, thank you. You know uh, yeah. that is that is really really good. When you put this out, have you thought about pricing or anything like that? Fun stuff, or is that a conversation you know, for us to have in the fall? Well, <laughs> it's probably better having the fall. I address it. You know, my CFO would say. You know, something different that I'd probably say, you know. Is that the wife or is that the... <laughs> no. <laughs> no, this is a... <laughs> actually my uncle and that's not a joke. But, but he was a he was a corporate CFO. So, yeah, he's, he's not a fly by the seat of his pants kind of guy. He's a professional. Um, but, yeah, I, we haven't really discussed it in, in detail. But I would say around that uh, 60 to 65. Uh, if, if I was if I was guessing right now, which is an amazing price for a craft, and and the thing that I have to at least applaud, I see more and more distilleries in Middle Tennessee that are really pushing their craft 
to four or five years, yeah, you know, or three, four, five years. So, <laughs> sure. so the rye is coming out at three years. the The sour mash is going to come out at four. The bourbon's going to come out at five, and it goes back to the whole theme you were saying. And I really love. Mm-hmm. I was kind of trying to nudge you there, and you <laughs> took the bait uh, without even knowing I was doing it. But all that stuff about yeah, we could do it today. We yeah, could we could absolutely. ramp up a bunch of stuff today. I could get a bigger yeah. still. I could do this. Yeah, but. It's all going to take time. It does and you don't want to rush it. You, you can't rush it. And I, I think at the end of the day, everybody who's, whether you call it craft or small batch, whatever you want to call it, I think we all want to make a big boy style spirit at the small batch scale. I mean, you know, there's a lot of guys running continuous. I mean, we're, we're, we do everything batch here, very traditional. Um, but at the end of the day, we want to make a something that's comparable to the big boys just on a small scale. Yeah. What is in that other bottle? So the other bottle is very interesting. So we, there's one month of the year that we play around here. It's usually in February. Everything else, it's Groundhog's Day, ABC, repeat, ABC, repeat. So during the month of usually February, we play around with alternative grain bills. So one whiskey that I really like, I, I love all kinds of whiskeys. I mean, I, whether it's Scotch or Irish or Japanese whiskeys, I can find something to appreciate in almost every whiskey. But I really like Irish whiskey for a bunch of different reasons. So this is actually, uh, this is an Irish style whiskey, if you could say that. So traditionally, Irish whiskeys have been malted barley. Sometimes uh, it'd be a percentage malted, a percentage unmalted. So uh, Williamson County used to be the largest producer of wheat um, in the state back in the uh, mid and late 1800s. So we took, um, this grain bill would be 40% malted wheat, 60% unmalted wheat in an Irish style with that, that high malt content. And then we distilled it, triple distilled it in the Irish style. So it came off the still um, over 180 proof. So it was really high. We brought it down to 110 uh, and put it in a barrel. And this is actually turned two years old last month. So, uh, and this is actually has a little, it's been in a, in a rum cast for about, <laughs> for about six months. We're, we're playing around with this whiskey right now. We've got about 40 barrels of it. We do all kind of crazy stuff with it. We got some of it in Cabernet barrels, some of it in rum barrels. It's a two year old triple distilled wheat whiskey for, you can't call it a wheat whiskey cause it came off the still more than 160 proof. So, um, well you wink at me if you have some of that 180 clear stuff like lying around somewhere cause <laughs> I know you can't legally tell me if you do, but... No, no, no. <laughs> We have none of that laying around. I'm just joking. <clears throat> we were we were joking about moonshiners before we, we got on. That's some of that stuff that'll... Oh, absolutely. That'll make your eyes cross. That yes, we, we, get a, we get that question a lot here. You know, what's the difference between... Um, uh, what's the difference between white whiskey and moonshine? You know, we tell folks, hell, moonshine is untaxed liquor. That's yeah, the definition that's of moonshine. The only you can make out anything. I do. You like, get the you. You could tell it was it was steam, distilled cleanly, and we call it you know whether it's a high proof or clean. You know, it came off the still very clean. Very interesting on the nose. You you can get that it was distilled at a high proof. You know, you get you get the alcohol on it, but it did go in the barrel entry on it was 110. We brought it down to 110 for barrel entry. No, I mean it's a little astringent, but it's not over. No, like it's mm-mm. not. It's nothing like I could and it's tell. It's only two years old. I definitely can notice the rum yeah, in there the, as well. You, you I get, get a little the, bit. Yeah, yeah. It's a sweet heat on on uh, the nose. Sure. I know people are going to say that's the worst note I've ever got. <laughs> in. 
it's a very interesting whiskey. It's probably like another, unlike anything you that you've had. At the end of the day, though, you all are having fun. Yeah, yeah and that's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. Like if if we were to just sit there and do the same thing over and over, sure, you never know when you're gonna have exactly. some dumb luck and stumble on something and say maybe this is something we should do outside of February and you'll only know that if you right I mean for us you know we have our core products that we're going to build our business around and that's our Tennessee whiskey uh, and our bourbon you know and, and these are things that will be end up being gift shop exclusive kind of stuff you know have a have a limited presence here locally we do like to play around with alternative grain bills and a lot of times the guys will come up with something and we'll run it through the still and see what happens and and um, you know it's just it's part of, I think, as a distiller, if you have a passion for it, you want to see what you can distill, you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, and what it's going to be like when you do that. Next February, we're running a dad's drink of bourbon mash. Absolutely. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'll um, let you design it. This is really, really, really good, though. It is good. And, it's and surprisingly it's, good. Yeah. Are you going to let it sit there? How long are you going to let it all so sit? So, we'll probably, I want to at least go three years. So, it's two years. It turned uh, two years in February. So, we'll probably release it St. Patrick's Day of uh, 2020. I love it because I think it, it's a little rough around the edges it right is. now, but yeah. you see where you can see where going. it's going. Absolutely. And so, uh, we've got enough of it to let, uh, to let some of it go longer and, you know, it'd be interesting to see how long it could go. And by no means, is this supposed to be a conversation where I'm like being critical of this? It's like, <laughs> but you can tell it's it's got really interesting notes to it. It does. Because yeah. you don't see a lot of Irish whiskey that gets you know, finished in casks. Yes. You know, Jameson's doing some of the uh, the cast mates kind of stuff, you know. We're, but it's more of yeah, a but stout, traditionally, you know. Exactly. It's, it's more of uh, beer finishes and things like that. But this is super, super, super interesting. It's been a labor of love as far as, you know, it's, it's hard to triple distill something. You know, we, we run it through the still once and, and gather a lot of low wines, and then we run it through the still another two times. So it's it's definitely, it's a more laborious process. Well, and it works well, too, because your still is a Scott-style still, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a, swa- a Scottish swan neck, yeah, pot still. That's exactly what you should be doing on a February in that thing, right? Absolutely. We run that Scottish-style swan neck still, so we felt like doing uh, an Irish-style or, or something in the vein of a from the UK-style whiskey would, would be appropriate. You know, and obviously the Irish run pot stills, swan neck pot stills as well. I it's funny. I love Irish whiskey. Zeke doesn't love as much stuff that that doesn't stay in the states. Sure, but. <clears throat> And I, I actually like scotch, too. But I, too. I think it's Irish whiskey is one of those. If you like American whiskey and you really like American whiskey, Irish whiskey almost has the best parts of Irish scotch, you know, but without the peat. I think you're and that's why I like it as well. You know, if you're if you're a distiller, you've got to pay homage back to Scotland and Ireland. And, you know, they had that debate. Who was the first to distill whiskey? You know, I mean, the oldest distillery in the, in the world is Bushmills um, up in Northern Ireland. But uh, I agree with that. And to me, I like the um, I like a lot of the, the notes in Irish whiskey. And I've read recently that a lot of Irish whiskey guys don't like the word smooth or or attributed to their whiskey because people in today's consumers won't bite or they want some edges or things like that or complexity. But to me, what the hallmarks of that Irish whiskey is that they're they're smooth and approachable. And that, that's what I like about it. Well, and it's funny because it goes into a whole thing. I think a lot of times we can get obsessed with proof. Yes. And I do like high proof whiskey. Yes. But if I'm drinking high proof whiskey, I'm good for one or two. Sure. And then I'm done. Right. 
But sometimes you need something that's 80 proof, 90 proof that you're going to sit there and say you're working. Yes. And and you're working late. Can't be pounding 126 (laughs) proof. No, no, not if you're going to be productive. Right, right. (laughs) So if I want to sit there and I'm I'm having a few, okay, now I can sit down. I can pour something that's a little bit less proof. Yeah. And get some work done. I mean, I think 80 proof, we're going to, probably our standard bottlings will be 90 proof. You know, that's that's standard industry. You know, I think that 80 proofs are underrated. They're um, they're easy. They're, they're sippable. You know, to add water or ice to them. So a lot of people ask us what, I, I appreciate high proof whiskey as well. Barrel strength, things like that. I always want to try anybody's cast strength kind of stuff. Um, but a lot of times, I had somebody tell me that the reason they like 90 proof, 100 proof, 86, whatever it is, is they would rather have the distiller add the water to their preference versus them. And so there may be something to be said with that. I don't really know. Yeah. yeah. But when people do special releases, it's funny because I kind of say like, all right, like say Four Roses limited edition small batch and it's yeah. 107 proof or 105 proof, whatever sure. it is. Somebody adds water or says like, I, I would rather... Well, it's like, okay, well, the distiller already said this 107 proof is where it should be. Sure, absolutely. You know? That's a sweet spot for that whiskey in their, in their opinion, in yeah. the distiller's opinion, yeah. So if, yeah. if you're going to put out a product like that, but and then a lot of times I think, it's like I was talking to another distiller, they're like, we, we proofed everything at 90 because we thought that's what you should do. <laughs> you know, like we just thought right. you should get a proof and, and pick it and yes. stick with it. sure. And they don't realize like single barrels and things like that. It's like, okay... You know, and, and they have since realized that. Sure. But it's now one of those things where it's like you can do a single barrel where you have something at 112 proof because it's really good. But Absolutely. then the next one, it's 98. Let the barrel tell you where the proof needs to be. Yeah. You know, we've done that on some of our single barrel releases. We'll get a panel and do a blind test of, um, of different proof points on that single barrel. And with some guys that are educated palates and um, whatever that consensus is, we'll, we'll release it at that proof. You know, and, and that's, we, we put everything, what I like, uh, as far as my opinion, you know, we put everything in at 110 proof. So it's a very, it's a lower barrel entry proof. So our cast strengths will probably tend to be 108 to 115 proof, whatever that swing is, depending on location. So I think the, there'll be, they'll be approachable as cast strengths. Well, and you talk about, you know, being a cash cow. Uh, yes, or absolutely. Being, That's one know, of the things about being a cash cow. It's low entry going, going in at low entry proof absolutely. is going to cost you more money. Yeah. And yeah. the other thing is you guys are a sweet mash opposed to a sour mash. We so are. you're cleaning out that still after every run. Every run. We start from scratch. Uh, we are a sweet mash. Uh, there's only a handful of us, I think, in the industry doing a sweet mash. You know, And we've got our own reasons for doing that. But, um, yeah, let's, uh, we'll see how that turns out. But it's something we've, we've been committed to since day one. Yeah. Well, that is awesome. So let's get to the most important thing. I know people have been sitting here and listening to us talk and learning more about Lee and the distillery, and that has been awesome. But there's an event that we are doing together on Mm -hmm. Saturday. Mm -hmm. It's the Whiskey Warmer down at West Haven in Franklin, Tennessee. And I gave Lee a call, and one of the reasons we're down here is we've been meaning to come down and sit with Lee for about two years. But the other thing is that we said we would love – to partner up and we being the dad's drinker bourbon, we'd love to partner up with a local distillery and do something that hasn't been done before. Sure. I don't think you all have ever put out a single barrel cast strength Colonel Hunters. Have you? No, we have not. And it might be, you know, if you're going with the theme of whiskey warmer, 
you are warming up from the winter. <laughs> what better way to stay warm than with a castrate whiskey, right? Absolutely. This is going to be a little bit fun. I think what we'll do, there's going to be a big Dad's Drinking Bourbon banner. We're going to be podcasting from the event. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that we would say is, and we don't want to confuse everybody with going to the Leaper's Fork table because you will have your own whiskey there. Sure. We're going to have three bottles by us at the Dad's Drinking Bourbon table. Yes. We want people to come over to our table, and I will say Lee is going to be very generous about what he is bringing, but the sooner you come to our table, the better. We want you guys to sample from the different barrel picks, mm -hmm. and then what we want you to do is, you know, we'll get a fishbowl or something, something sure. you could put your vote in, and we want to get all your votes, and we're going to tally it up, and then we'll do it right, we'll put a nice sticker on it that you know, talks about whiskey warmer or whatever we decide we're going to do, but it will be the official whiskey warmer bottle. Absolutely. I think that'll be an interesting uh, project. Yeah. Yeah. It will be official whiskey warmer bottle, not sanctioned by whiskey warmer because we're all just doing it. <laughs> right. But then we're, what we'll do is our friends at Carruthers are helping to sponsor the event. So some will be at Carruthers. Some will be here at the Leapers Fork Distillery. Sure. There will be multiple places where you can go get it, mm -hmm. which is very important because we want you to come out here to Leapers Fork. We know that uh, some of you might just be in town for the weekend and you, you don't have a, a whole bunch of time. Uh, so there's going to be multiple places you can get it. We know we love the guys down at Barrels and Brews, so always happy to, to do something with them. But we thank you. Man, I mean, thank you. Thanks, John. I really appreciate you having me on for sure. Well, no, I mean, I'm not kicking you off yet. I'm saying <laughs> thank you for the thank you for the single barrel. Oh, absolutely. You that is going to be a hell of a fun thing to do. Yeah, I mean, I haven't heard of a place where you can go as as a uh, just visiting a, a tasting where you've got a, hundreds of people. And, you know, we'll, it'll be limited. You know, we'll only have so much in a bottle. But uh, take a consensus of, of what expression they like best out of the three barrels and, you know, let the, the guests select the barrels, which could be a dangerous thing, but it should be fun. And you said the proofs in these, there are some, one's like 115 proof, but one's even up in the 120s. Sure. Right? They proofs range from about 125 down to about 115. That is going to be fun. So the, the suitor, don't mess your palate up. Don't go to other, you know, unless you go to the Leaper's Fork table first, always hit them up. Don't mess your palate up first. Don't go have 20 samples before you come over. We want fresh palates. We want you to be in a good mindset, and we want you to help us pick a barrel. And it won't last long. It won't. Yeah. Whiskey warmer starts at 6. I would say you want to hit our table by 6 and 7. I think you all should get there early and, and go see Lee because you're going to be there, right? Yeah, I'll be there for sure. And yeah, it, I'm going to be uh, probably over by you guys. Or I'm going to be going back and forth between our table, saying hey to John, just kind of mingling around. Well, that's yeah, good. We absolutely. can't wait. Yeah, yeah. Lee, thank you so much for coming on. I, I wholeheartedly mean this. I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it. I love your own distillate and where that is going. So whenever – I know sometimes you haven't had that rye in a couple of years or probably test it quarterly or monthly. But I know sometimes it's one of those things where you sit there and go, man, I wonder how this is. And it is really, really good. Well, thank you. Thank There's you. amazing stuff happening down here at Leapers Fork, Tennessee. And I hope – 
people just come out to this distillery not only because you're great people and you have a great product, but it's gorgeous. Well, thank you, John. They're they're hiring for weddings and you know, all sorts of to have your wedding out at Leaper's Fork Distillery. Don't but say that. Where else? Where else can the folks find you? So they can find you here. Leapers we're uh, Instagram's LF Distillery, and then we're on Facebook, uh, Leaper's Fork Distillery on Facebook, uh, Leaper'sFortDistillery.com. So yeah, please check us out uh, and please come by. Absolutely. Come down. Lee's here most days, so come yep. down and see him. You can find us on Instagram at Dad's Drinking Bourbon, Facebook at Dad's Drinking Bourbon, Twitter at Bourbon Dads. Join our private Facebook group. It's closed. Answer a couple questions. We'll let you in. There's about 3,000 people in there right now that are all talking whiskey. It's good times. Please go find us on your favorite podcast app, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, YouTube, Podknife, whatever it is. Please leave us an open and honest review. We would love to hear from you. You can find us in Nashville, Tennessee. Let us know if you're there. We'd love to have a pour with you sometime. Lee, thanks again. Thank you, John. Cheers. Cheers. Appreciate that.